motherhood, and work. There isn't a right way or best way to juggle these, despite what you've heard or been told. No, really, there's not. Part-time work has been the best fit for me and my family, but it's tough to navigate any gray area of motherhood when you don't fit neatly in a box. My name is Tiana Fesh, and welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast, where we are going to build conversation and community around swinging motherhood and work in a way that works best for us and our families. No matter your path, it's an adventure with highs, lows, and in-betweens. Let's explore together. Welcome to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm so excited to be here with our guest today, Jen Abatiello. Jen is a mom of two young boys and a certified parent coach. She is the founder of Your Transformed Family, helping parents end the anger, frustration, and guilt to find calm, confidence, and ease in their parenting without yelling, threatening, or punishing. As a former dominant parent, Jen learned to become a peaceful parent and is dedicated to helping other parents transform their parenting too. Prior to founding Your Transformed Family, Jen worked for 20 plus years as a senior sales and marketing executive with companies of various sizes and across industries. She helped launch Microsoft Advertising in Canada, built and led the marketing team at Thinking Capital, and spearheaded the growth of Reader's Digest in Southeast Asia. When not working with families, she loves the outdoors skiing, hiking, or running with her husband and two boys. One thing she can't live without is her morning latte with oat milk. Thank you so much for joining me, Jen. Thank you, Tiana. It's both like an honor and I'm so grateful to to be speaking with you today. I'm really excited that we were able to make this happen and to connect and for the opportunity to learn more about you and your story. So I wanted to talk to you at first a little bit about becoming a mom. So obviously becoming a mom is a huge life change, and that's the biggest understatement ever. And I'm curious, what was the journey of becoming a mom like for you? Gosh, I don't know if you can hear me take the deep breath as you're asking me this question, but I'm going to take it now. I I definitely struggled as I entered motherhood. I, I became a mom later in life, although it feels like it was more common these days, but I was 34 years old when I had my first child. And the reason being is I never really had it as part of my plan to be a mom. I didn't feel like I had the skills to be the parent I wanted to be. I know my parents did the best they could. It's just, I didn't want to raise my child based on control and fear and, and all that. And so I put my energy and focus on my career. I'm a recovering perfectionist as well. And so I felt like that was something I could control. And you know what? You mentioned my career in corporate and I traveled the world. I lived in like Singapore and I lived in Mexico. And that's where I found my fulfillment. That's where I felt like I excelled. It's like, I'm good at this, right? I I can control how many hours I put in. I can control the outcome. And then I met my now husband. <laughs> and I was very forthright saying, you know, I'm, I'm really not sure if I want to have kids. And he understood all that. And being together, he's like, Jen, are you sure you think you don't 
you can't be the mom you want to be. Like I see you with, you know, kids and your friends and family and you're loving and you're nurturing. And so I also didn't know if I could be a mother. Like I had cancer at the age of 27 and I have, I have PCOS, which decreases your fertility, polycystic ovarian syndrome. And so I'm like, okay, but the likelihood of it happening, I'm also older is low. And maybe it was the universe kind of saying, this is your path. And it happened. And I did, again, being that control perfectionist, when I was pregnant, I did everything I could to control that outcome. Like I was eating right. I was exercising, you know, the baby's inside of you, like you have control or this false illusion of control. And then the baby came out and all my worst nightmares came to fruition. I struggled. My oldest, who's now nine now, Nathan, he had colic. I struggled with breastfeeding. I didn't have, you know, we talk about the village in the community. I didn't have any family, extended family living close by that was helping. And I had postpartum depression and I, I wouldn't accept it. Right. So I, I struggled, struggled. My lowest low was I packed my bags and I left. I was like, I, I, I cannot do this. And it was really me reaching out for help. And Fortunately, I got the support I needed. I, I obviously had done a lot of therapy before in my life when I had cancer, but it was really learning to be that parent that I wanted to be and getting the support that I needed. I was finally starting to enjoy it and finally starting to be more confident. It was time to go back to work. And that's where I was like, my career was my life, but now I felt like I wanted so much more. So that's kind of like my entry, very, very rocky, very bumpy. <laughs> well, and I think it's so important to talk about these things. So I really appreciate how candid and open and honest you're being about your journey and about your struggles. It's hard becoming a mom. And I think there are many more of us out there struggling than we probably think. <laughs> I know. And, and that is definitely why I share my story. Cause I remember the first time that I thought I was sharing this in a safe space where I said, I didn't want to be my, that wasn't part of my life plan. It's not that I don't love my children unconditionally. I just didn't want to be a mother. And I felt like the shame and judgment come upon me. Like all these women dreamed about being a mother. And yeah, I, I want to believe that there's more people who went through my story and my situation. And I want to share that because I felt alone at the time. And I'm starting to see that that's not the case. And so I think it's really important to share our struggles. It really is. It really is. And I remember struggling very much. So with breastfeeding, especially with our first, and it just felt like life would never be the same. And I didn't know how I would do anything again. Like, how was I going to get groceries? How was I going to <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I felt very disconnected and I felt very alone and it is very overwhelming and all consuming. So you're right. It's hard, especially in the beginning as a new mom to find those people that you can be really candid about because mm -hmm. you look on social media and there's all this sort of joy associated with having a baby and that, and that is there and that is a part of it, but there's so much more to that story. And uh, it's especially tough when you feel like you can't share the fact that you're struggling because everybody thinks that everything must just be wonderful. I know. And like you made, it's reminding yourself that social media and Instagram is people's best life, right? And if you find that it's getting you down, turn it off. Like I sometimes go down a spiral. I was like, no, like stop. Like this is very 
filtered and this is just their best photo of that day. Yeah. I don't know what happened two seconds before. <laughs> no, no. Oftentimes people don't share those low moments, those struggles, those tough times on that platform in that sort of broad platform, right? It's something that they're sharing with the people closest to them um, mm-hmm. or the people closest to them are seeing, or maybe even not seeing sometimes. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, it that is a very important thing to remember. Now, I want to talk about your work background because I look at this list of the things that you have done and it is so diverse and so interesting. So I'm curious what led you to become a parenting coach and what does your motherhood and work juggle look like today? Yeah, like I said, when I became a mom, prior to that, I was so focused on career and that's, you know, where I excelled, but then becoming a mom and I don't know if you can relate to this and other moms relate to this. I felt like if I was leaving the home, I wanted that time and what I was doing to be purposeful and meaningful. But at the same time, because I had my kids later, I felt like I had invested so much of who I was in this corporate career and in business and sales and marketing that I was like, well, I can't leave that behind. Like that's who I am. Those people know me like, and I wasn't sure what that purpose and that meaning looked like for me. And it was actually only working because when I became a mom, I had done lots of therapy before, but when I became a mom, having children, it's like holding up a mirror, right? Like, so all the things that I hadn't uncovered or dealt with came right back up. And so it was starting again with, you know, getting, you know, the therapy that I needed and reading all kinds of books. Like if you see the stack of parenting books I have and the courses I've taken, it was working with my own parenting coach that planted that seed that, Jen, you know, you could do this for a living. And it wasn't until COVID hit that that kind of came to fruition. Because prior to that, like I, and I can go into more details on this, but I had switched from working full-time for someone corporate to doing part-time consulting. And that was kind of my way of finding this balance and still staying in the workforce that was important and fulfilling to me. But then when COVID hit, like many people, and I, I lived at the time in Toronto, Canada, school shut down. At the time, my youngest was in kindergarten. My oldest is neurodiverse and lots of learning differences. I couldn't put them in front of remote learning and expected them to excel. And I also chose, again, no judgment. I just didn't want to put the screen on and TV on for them all day because I knew there'd be other prices for me to pay in our home. And I, I didn't want to do that. And so I had to pull back from you know the consulting I was doing my husband works really long hours. So it all fell on me and it, I, I couldn't do it all. So it's when I recognized that, you know what, this might be an opportunity for me to start this parent coaching career. Cause I saw so many other mothers struggling and I had been through the struggle and I was still struggling. Like right? I always say, I'm just a few steps ahead. So I think it was uncovering that through my struggle, even though I had this imposter syndrome that who am I to help another mother, it's really because I've been in that struggle and wanting to feel that that struggle had purpose and meaning that I want to help other mothers or dads. I work with dads too. So it was really through that and COVID hitting that gave me the opportunity to make that pivot. And I'm grateful that I had that opportunity to do that. So that's how I, I've transitioned into corporate to parent coach. <laughs> That's so interesting. That's such a a neat journey that you've had. And I think there's so much value in 
having you take on that role as parent coach from such an authentic place, right? Having been through those struggles and ups and downs, it allows you to really empathize and connect with the people that you've worked with. And I think, well, I know I always so much appreciate when people are being real or they come from that place of, I don't actually have it all together either, but here's some amazing tools and strategies that I've learned along the way that have helped me because I've had and continue to have those difficult experiences and things myself. I think that authenticity is such a powerful force because parents, we're looking for people that we can relate to and connect to. And it's hard to relate to somebody who just seems to have all their ducks in a row. Like, is that even I know, possible? I, <laughs> I always think, I remember when I did my MBA and this was like the question, the, like what I find most comfortable. Like I, I took an entrepreneur class and the teacher teaching the entrepreneur class was purely academic, but I was like, how am I going to learn about entrepreneurship if you've never walked in those shoes? <laughs> right. So I feel with parent coaching, I've walked in those shoes. I face a lot of challenges. And if I haven't faced the challenge that you specifically are going through, there's a lot of tools and resources that I've learned through my training and education that we can help support. I can support you along that way. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you as a, a teacher. So I now mentor and supervise and work and teach student teachers uh, who are looking to become teachers one day. And I always come at it from the perspective that I'm still learning. So it's like that teacher learner role. I don't have all the answers. I don't know every single detail, but I'm open to that learning. And yes, I have the experience and the strategies and all those things, but it's that mentorship relationship is really a two-way relationship. And I think the best teachers, which you're doing in your role, are the ones that are always learning and open to learning more uh, and continuing to you know, be exposed to different examples and challenges and ideas and and come up with those creative solutions and strategies to support people along the way. So I think that's amazing. Now, speaking of learning, because (laughs) there is so much learning that comes with being a mom. And I feel like I'm learning something new every day. Each of our three kids is so different from one another. And I never... Still, even though our kids are older, 15, 13, and 10, I still have moments where I think, I did not see that one coming. (laughs) So I'm curious, what is the biggest lesson that you have learned as a mom? You know, as I shared before, like I entered motherhood pretty rocky road. And I know when my my oldest was struggling, or I, I perceived him to be struggling with his tantrums and self-regulation. I was looking for all outside help on how can I fix him, right? He was the problem. How can I fix him? So all my time and energy is focused on that. But my biggest learning was, as I said, they're holding up this mirror is it starts with me. So I had to really look inside to understand why was I being so triggered by this child's behavior when it was completely age appropriate, right? So having a hard time and having like this meltdown, he doesn't know how to deal with his big feelings. I shouldn't know how to deal with my big feelings, right? So the biggest lesson for me was ensuring that I was whole, that I healed myself, you know, like, you know, heal the mother, heal the child is like an expression I love. And so my biggest lesson as a mother is 
taking care of myself and doing that inner healing work and how important that is to be able to show up and be the parent you want to be. So what would be some of the ways that you've done that? Because I know it's so true. You hear that you, you need to put your oxygen mask on first, right? And, and if you're not taking care of yourself, it's so hard to take care of others. So what are some of the things that you've done to, to help yourself be in that place where you're really looking after you and doing that work on yourself? Yeah. First and foremost, like I used to feel guilty when I became a mom taking time for myself. Right. But it's, it's then shifting that story that it's not guilty because if I'm not getting my needs met, I can't show up for my child the way I want to. So that's first and foremost is let go of that guilt in order to get your needs met and then recognizing it's going to be unique for everyone, right? In terms of what fills your cup and what needs are most important to you. For me, exercise is, is crucial. Like I, I'm a runner. I love to get out there and run. I love to exercise. I also need time to myself. Like some people are a lot more social. I tend to say I'm an introvert extrovert, but like I, I lean more towards introvert. And so I need that time to myself. And if I'm not getting those things and that time, and I had to shift what that looked like because before kids, I was definitely, you know, going for an hour run and then doing a strength training class and then going for brunch. It's like, no, it doesn't look like that anymore. But if I don't do that regularly, I know I'm more triggered and not able to be as patient. So that's the first part is ensuring you're getting your own needs met because it's not selfish because you can't be that person you want to be if you're not. And then secondly, it's understanding, and this is the work I do with a lot of my clients is I'm making sense of your childhood, right? We all have I, I, capital T, lower T. I don't remember who coined that term trauma. Like it, it, it you say uh, childhood trauma and people think, oh my God, how awful was your childhood? And it's just, there's different spectrums of trauma and it's about making sense of what happened in your childhood so that when you're seeing that in your child, you're not as triggered. Like for example, for me, Seeing my child having a hard time and having a meltdown was triggering because I was never allowed to show those negative feelings, right? You had to stuff it all down. So when he was showing these feelings that he was sad or angry, it's like, <gasps> like I panicked. I was like, no, like, you, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and so that's the other work is trying to understand when you're, when you're triggered by your child, like, what's that story that you're telling yourself and how do you unpeel that onion of where it originated from? So you can change it because it is just a story, right? It's a story we've told ourselves that starts to feel true, but it's not true. That is fantastic advice. And two great things that uh, listeners can take away with really doing that reflection on those stories that we're telling ourselves. And then also, what is it that you need to fill your bucket so you can be the best version of you? I love that. Thank you. Now, I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about your role as a parenting coach. So I'm sure that you have learned about and heard about a variety of different challenging situations and experiences that parents are having, but what might be some of the more common challenges that your clients are dealing with? And then what are some of the strategies that you would use to support them? Yeah. So because most of the parents that have coming to me they come to me because they've, they've heard my story. They resonate with the story. And that's why I think it's really important to be authentic and vulnerable. So a lot of them come with, you know, wanting to parent differently than they were parented. So it starts with, you know, understanding 
what those stories are that you told yourself from your childhood and how you're bringing those forward into your own parenting. So that's part of the work is like understanding what that is when you're losing your cool, like what's going on in your head that you're losing your cool, right? Are you having so high expectations of your child when that's not realistic and helping shift the expectation that it's not self-regulation. Like a lot of us, and this used to be me, I expected my child to be able to regulate himself. And, you know, our prefrontal cortex, our higher brain, which is where our problem rational thinking occurs doesn't even start developing till the age of seven and isn't fully developed to the age of 25. And for some, you probably know some people, it's not ever developed because it's a muscle. And if you don't use it and you don't train it, it doesn't. So it's shifting that idea of it's not about self-regulation, especially in the early years. It's about co-regulation and you cannot co-regulate if you yourself are not regulated. So we do a lot of the work on how do you regulate yourself and different strategies on keeping your cool and finding your pause in that moment that I work with clients. And then a lot of the behaviors that they want tips and strategies for are, you know, the big emotions, like how do I deal with my child's tantrums? They're, they're hitting, they're yelling. How do I nip that in the bud? You know, I feel like I'm repeating myself all over the time and they're not listening and sibling dynamics. Like they're fighting all the time. Like they're never going to have the, you know, that relationship that I want them to have when they're older. And so that's a lot of the work we do is on some of these most common, you know, if you will, negative behaviors and a lot of the strategies, you know, I can go into a lot more detail, but first and foremost, it's regulating yourself. That's step one. So if you need to take a second and one of them is like, go splash water on your face or like take a deep breath. And I love the ones like, I always say, I can't breathe. Or my son used to always say too, I can't breathe in the moment. Like I'm so stressed. Sometimes it's counting to 10 backwards or counting to 10 in a different language. So it's finding something that helps you get into your higher brain, then shifting to my child's behavior is a message. What is that message and how do I uncover it and understand what his need is? And that starts with connection. So if your child's having a hard time and there was this video of a dad with uh, a toddler having this big meltdown. If you ever see it, he's sitting on the ground and like the, the toddler is just kicking and screaming and he's just sitting there. Like he is the calm in the eye of the storm, right? If, if you view your role as a parent, your, your role as a parent is to guide, right? Discipline means to teach and you're guiding. So if you're that calming center for him, they know they feel safe, right? If you're storming alongside your child, they don't feel safe. They're thinking, mommy's like lost it, which means I should lose it even more. Like I'm not safe. Like this is really bad. (laughs) Right. So if you're not regulated in that moment, they're more confused and more stressed. And so it might be sitting with them, just holding space for them to let those big feelings out, trying to talk to them in the middle of a tantrum. They're not hearing you, right. They're not hearing you or the best is like, and I've been guilty of this calm down. Like who's ever calm down after someone told them to calm down. Like even as an adult, like imagine like your, your, your partner said to you, you know, calm, like Deanna, you're really upset right now. Calm down. How would you react? It's like, I will not calm down. I'm not even upset. Like I'm fine. So imagine a child. And this is where sometimes our expectations of adults versus children, there's a big disconnect. And so that's a lot of the work we do is first understanding what's going on beneath that behavior how do you hold space for them to process the feelings? So the last thing you want is for them to stuff it down, not 
talk about it in that moment because they need to be regulated. And after going back in a moment of calm and, and for young kids, that might be, you know, maybe an hour later, you're going to talk about it. But for older kids, they, they retain that more. So it might be the next day that you're like, you know, yesterday, like you were having a really hard time when, you know, you came home from school. Like, I'm just curious, like what was going on? Or for younger kids, you might have to guess on the feeling because their emotional intelligence isn't developed. So you might say, were you feeling really angry because your brother wouldn't share your toy with you? And then it's understanding the lagging skill. It's like, okay, they don't know how to share. And we can't expect young kids to be able to share, right? And that's where the expectations are different. It's like, my young child can't share. I shouldn't expect him to share. But if someone's asking for something, can you arm them with things to do instead? And then they need help. Yeah, they really do. And there's so often there's more to the story. There's the behavior in the moment, and then there's the story behind it, right? And trying to uncover that can be so interesting. And I also really loved how you talked about the idea that oftentimes that behavior is not attention seeking, it's that connection seeking. And there's a book written by Dr. Jody Carrington. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've read that. And that's such a big part of her messaging. And I, I think that it's such a powerful way to be thinking, like, what is it my child is, is truly seeking in this moment? And that's been a really helpful approach, both for me as a teacher and as a parent as well. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you for those strategies. I want to shift gears a little bit. So I have, I call them rapid fire questions, but they never come out in a very quick and rapid fire type of way. (laughs) Central to my parenting philosophy is to beg, borrow and steal. I'm all about not reinventing the wheel and other people can often have these amazing ideas that we can use ourselves. And if it doesn't resonate, then it's kind of take it or leave it. But it's, I love picking people's brains for things that have been helpful or interesting to them. So To start off, I'm wondering if you could share what has been your go-to meal on those busy nights with your family. Okay. Well, this might not be a surprise given my last name is Abatello, so Italian in nature. So for us, our simple go-to meal is pasta, right? It's a simple, easy win. And I usually make some steamed broccoli or vegetable on the side that I know that they'll eat, but that's like quick and easy. And what kind of sauce do you use in your family? Do you have a favorite? (laughs) You know, you talked about your kids and them being very different. My kids, no different. They're very different. So my mom makes her own tomato sauce, which my seven-year-old loves. So I, I make the pasta, I boil it. I don't put anything on it. I put it on the table. Family style is also big for us. We love family style meals. So I'll put it on the table with no sauce, no nothing on it. Then I'll have a bowl with tomato sauce. My little one will cover his in tomato sauce. My... Older one, Nathan, nine, he will put butter on his, <laughs> right? So it's like, I'd like the family style meal. Cause it's like, then you're not facing the battle because they're taking and serving and they have the option. So you're not imposing and you're giving choice. Yeah. There's something about being able to make it your own, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just imagining or picturing my own family And exactly just how different kind of putting those pieces together looks for each of them. We (laughs) definitely have a more plain kind of butter Parmesan kid and then a sauce. Yes. Amongst (laughs) our three. (laughs) Coffee one. And what would be a favorite family game or activity that you enjoy? 
Yeah, well, as you introduced me at the beginning of the, the show, we love the outdoors and we actually made a move from Toronto, Canada to Hamilton, Canada. We live right near like hiking trails and our go-to is we want to get out there and hike or bike. And we're also a big running family. It's not just my husband and I, my, my kids do races. And for us, it's just being outdoors and being active. That's fantastic. That's so good. So what, what would be sort of a distance that your kids do for the races they participate in? Yeah. So uh, the longest my nine-year-old has run is 5k and, you know, he's learning pacing because like he is so fast, but then he loses steam. So he's learning like the art of pacing and my younger one who's seven, he does about two, he'll do about two kilometers. That's fantastic. That's amazing. There's something about just the, the feeling and the energy and the excitement of being at a race. We really enjoy that with our family too. Oh, my boys love the medals. You know how you get the medals at the end of those races. (laughs) And the snacks at the end. (laughs) They love the snacks. And then I'm wondering too, what is a book, podcast, or TV show that you've enjoyed recently? And if you want, you're welcome just to share one of each. Sure. I'll be honest. Again, talk about transparency. I have a huge crush on Brene Brown. So I love everything Brene Brown. And actually one of her quotes that I wanted to share, because I found it so relevant to my journey as a parent and those that I work with is she, she, one thing she says is who we are and how we engage with the world is a much better predictor of how our kids will do. And her work, like her, the books, The Gifts of Imperfection and Daring Greatly are like two of my favorites that I feel like are so dog-eared and highlighted that I read over and over again. Because, you know, parenting is a journey. And so we always need reminders because we're always going through, like you said, your kids are older, but like there's still stuff. And so we feel like we always need some reminders of the things that we have learned along the way that we might have forgotten because we haven't had to deal with it. So I, I love Brene Brown. She is amazing. If you peeked on my bookshelf behind me, you'd see that there are a number of her books sitting on my bookshelf as well. She's wonderful to listen to and to uh, read her books as well. And I yeah, her podcast, which is the you know unlocking us that I like just love. It is so good. And thank you for sharing that quote. That is a good one. Now in the part-time jungle, we like to keep things real about motherhood. And I'm wondering if you have a story to share about a learning experience you've had as a mom. Yeah, I think I gave uh, touched on this earlier, but for me, it's, it's, we've so normalized. I feel in some cases, like being wonder woman and multitasking and doing everything. And like this mompreneur thing where you're like, oh, they have these young kids and they're running a business and doing all that. But like, it feels like everyone's doing everything and they're doing it really well. But what's important to me is really knowing what you need and it's okay to take it slower. It's okay to say no, right? For me saying no is really hard. And so setting that limit and boundary is I don't have to do everything. Right. And that was also with my business. Like I, I really work on my business after I drop off the boys and until pickup. I occasionally will work with the parents on weekends because again, I want to be able to support, but Saturdays, like Sundays, I don't. So I don't try and do this hustle, right? I really try and ensure that my self-care, it's not selfish, it's really important. So setting that boundary and learning to say no and not glamorizing like the idea of doing it all. So let's normalize rest. Yes. 
I think that's so good because I think sometimes, you know, when people ask how you're doing, it's almost like the expectation is a response of all the list of like things that you did that day. And if you said today, I didn't do a whole lot of anything, you almost feel right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think there's, we don't, you're right. We don't have to be hustling every minute of the day. In fact, I find those moments of quiet and calm or just those spontaneous adventures we're able to have. They're so good. If I was hustling every moment of every day, it'd be really hard to, to find the time to just be in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I'd like more people sharing that they're not doing anything right now. They're just resting. (laughs) Today was a quiet and restful day. (laughs) I checked nothing off my list and I forgot about it. (laughs) And before we wrap things up, I'm just wondering if you have any final thoughts or words of wisdom for moms who are listening, who are looking for some inspiration or support with their own mom work juggles. Yeah, I, I think for me, because I, I transitioned in so many different ways where I did the full-time corporate thing and then I went to independent consulting and I still teach marketing at a college. I'd say like throw away the playbook of what you think it should look like get it. I'm saying get out there. Cause I don't know if you can see people in person. It feels like this still pandemic is still looming over heads, depending where in the world you are, but talk to people who are doing something that piques your interest that you're like, Oh, like maybe I want to be doing what she's doing and, and, and see what their journey was. Like, don't be afraid to ask those questions and don't be afraid to like make it happen. And I'm not saying that you have to do the side hustle. Cause again, that goes against my whole thing of don't feel like you have to do the hustle but know your worth, figure out what brings you joy. Was that Marie Kondo with the folding? Like what brings you joy and envision what that looks like and talk to people, talk to people who are maybe doing something similar and that might trigger something completely different in you, but don't keep it inside. Like talk to other people saying, I'm, I'm trying to make this shift. I saw that you're doing this, like how that happened. Tell me about what works, what doesn't work. So get curious. Yeah. And that curiosity is such a connecting force. And I feel we just all need a little bit more connection these days. A hundred percent. Like I feel like we, I had this in-person event and I was like, oh my God, it is so nice to see people in person, but it's that connection too, right. That where I feel like we're missing, especially this past 18 plus months that who would have like thought, but yeah, talk to people, however you feel comfortable right? Send a message on LinkedIn, send like text someone, call, like just put yourself out there. That is great advice. Now, Jen, I want to thank you so very much for sharing your time and words of wisdom with us today. If our listeners want to learn more about you and all of the diverse and amazing (laughs) things that you are up to, where are the best places to find you? You can Follow me on Instagram, even though I'm saying don't spend so much time on there at Your Transformed Family. And you can also go on the website if you're curious about getting support in your parenting and booking a free call to see what that could look like at yourtransformedfamily.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me, Jen. It was great to connect with you. Always great talking to you, Tiana. This is so much fun. And again, thank you. And I'm grateful to have had the opportunity to chat with you today. 
Thank you so much for listening to the Part-Time Jungle Podcast. I'm your host, Tiana Fesh. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Part-Time Jungle and on my website, www.theparttimejungle.com. I would love if you would subscribe to, rate, and review this podcast. Your feedback and support are so appreciated. See you next time, where we will continue to explore the motherhood jungle together.